We're back! We're back! It's a distraction! I'm Drew! That's Roth! How you doing, Roth? I'm good, man. What's happening? Well, I'm gonna tell you what's happening. Oh, Roth. please. I, 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 I had asked earlier what was happening. Just, uh, I'm gonna tell you. Oh, just a All perfect... Right. Just, just tell me. Just absolutely perfect syntax. Hey, guess what? It's our hundredth episode of The Distraction this oh, week. Oh, my goodness Unbelievable. gracious. Unbelievable. Happy How did anna- we do it? Happy anniversary, Roth. Happy How anniversary you? to you. I, I have not celebrated many hundredth anniversaries in my life. Yeah, I don't know what... I haven't done a hundred other things, except like pee. Like, I, there's, there's very few things that I've done a hundred times. I've, I've napped a hundred times, which is yes. very impressive. Right. And you, like, that's a, and you do get some sort of award for that, right? Like there's a, the nappies yeah. at the end of the year. Yeah, the nappies. Yeah. <laughs> I get like a, a it's like a, a, a beautiful little trophy that's surprisingly heavy, and it has just a... <laughs> of of just a, a supine man wearing socks. That's right. I actually, I don't wear socks when I nap. I take the socks off. The one I, time, the first time I saw you or met you when we were at Deadspin was you were lying down you weren't napping on the office couches that were set up in the middle of the the office space the old deadspin office space the one on 17th street looked like a like a decommissioned nightclub there's a lot of like kind of like brushed metal everywhere it was a gap it was an old gap was it an old gap all right because it had kind of like it was a little designy for a place that also had no insulation and bad internet connection yeah it absolutely looked like an abandoned retail space but drew was sacked out white tube socks just glowing like a beacon of uh, fatherly energy and wisdom on the middle. (laughs) It's like, so before I actually saw your face in real life, I saw the the weird bottoms of your feet while you were giving your back a rest. And really, what what a treat for you. Yeah, seriously. I've been asking you to show feet ever since. Well, you have a guest for our two-year anniversary. You've heard the name before. It's our producer, Brandon Nix. Brandon, how are you? I'm good, guys. Uh, it's a little rare for me to be on this side of the show, but yeah. it's, <laughs> it's good to be we, here and celebrate the 100. Sorry, episode. we had to peer pressure you into uh, dusting <laughs> off your microphone, but it's nice to actually <laughs> let everybody know uh, the voice that tells me and Drew to calm down or shut up. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> I, I don't so, do it too much. I don't, you no, guys are good, so I don't have to do it too often. So we're gonna spare uh, everybody, the audience, from. Uh, the indignity of a clip show. That also would have been a lot of work for Brandon. Mm-hmm. We can do some a few podcast memories if we'd like. Would you like to remember some podcast guests, Brandon <laughs> and Roth? Yeah, let's do that. Sure. So I remember, there are a few things that I remember. I remember um, Dom Cosentino coming on, and I think I made, so I made, there were more like wide gaps. Uh, there was more dead air in that podcast than, than any other, not Dom's fault, because I would just keep saying awkward, horrible dad shit. <laughs> and like sometimes, and I, this happens at the dinner table where I'll say something, and there's no really no there's really no way you can pick up and and go with it. It just dead deadens the entire room. And poor I, Dom was there for that. Dom so is and a fantastic guy and a great guest, but it was also as somebody who abhors dead air, but also likes to let the guest respond first to anything. Drew had a couple of those, a couple of, you know, Drew Bear moments. And then, like, I was waiting for Dom to weigh in, and he's just, there's just, he's not going to do it if he doesn't want to talk. No. And so Drew He's, a, he's you know, a normal person. I yeah, understand Yeah, he'd be like, do you think that, like, Pete Carroll, like, what do you think he smells like? I think he smells like a certain, like, some type, like, pepperoni. 
And like Drew would just leave that. <laughs> like and Dom would just not uh, deign to respond. That was yeah. No, I, I hope I, we can have him back on again soon though. It's like as we get closer to NFL season, the Dom episodes are great because he like he's there's a couple of people that we've had on that just know everything about the topic. Like Kaylin, honestly, is as good with NFL stuff. I mean, she's absolutely on top of everything. Of course. But Dom is like one of those guys where you could like ask him who won Super Bowl six. And like he knows, and he knows who won the MVP in that game. And I think like, actually, I think that was a function super, in normal life. But. I think that was a Super Bowl the Vikings lost. That is what, my. Really? I, I'm not. I'm not kidding. Like I don't. I don't remember the Vikings Super Bowl losses because I wasn't alive back then. So all of that trauma, I have to reverse engineer as if like my lifetime of rooting for this team wasn't bad enough. I have to go be reminded. Oh hey, you know when you weren't alive, they were even more <laughs> annoying. <laughs> Before there was you, <laughs> they were bringing suffering into the world. Super Bowl six, uh, the Cowboys defeated the Dolphins twenty four to three. Oh my God, that's a terrible Super Bowl. I would fucking, I would <laughs> yeah. die before I rewatch that Super Bowl. Two miserable system. teams in a not close game. We also had, uh, I remember Pro Football Focus's Austin Gale coming on, and he was a fantastic guest. He was also the fastest talking guest we had. He was, he had so much information, and he was so ready to deliver it that I my brain could not keep up with Austin's incredible uh, analytical patter going into the draft. And I, I really did enjoy Is there a technical challenge in editing the audio of someone who is speaking that fast, Brandon? I know that you're not listening to this on 1.5 speed like a lot of our <laughs> listeners actually do. No, having a guest like that is fine as long as they make their points clear. Mm -hmm. I can handle guests that talk that fast. It's not an issue for me, um, but I can understand where Drew is coming from in that sense, you know, being a host, you know, it could be, you know, a little tough to keep up sometimes. But for me, on the editing side, no, it's not a problem. Yeah. Are we are we difficult to edit? Like, Don't do you have to like that. blur out like <laughs> like my fan going on if I left it on by accident, or like if I have to like suppress a burp so it's like? Mm -hmm. Well, that's not a problem. I can take those things out. I would say for you, Drew, the only thing I may have an issue with is taking a break because sometimes you go really really fast. And I have to remind you every now and then, Drew, slow yes. down, <laughs> yeah. pace yourself, and make sure you say these things slowly and clearly. <laughs> it's because we get, I think both of us, over the course of the episode, because I, I listen to it so I know what to write about in the blog post, because I'm totally blacking out while I'm on here, man. Like, I don't have any recollection of what's even Well, because you're drunk. I mean, I'm, I'm extremely drunk. <laughs> we record, you know, it's late morning, early afternoon. I'm not myself by that point. But there is, like, when I go back and listen to it, I think over the course of the episode, we sort of perk up. Like, Drew obviously starts at a very high level. That's, um, you know, we've got ah! some re reader notes <laughs> on that. But it is, I think, like, organically, just because of the fact that we are, like, we're performing a little bit. But mostly we're just sort of talking to each other and enjoying it. And I know that, like, I get more voluble the more that I do just because, like, I'm actually, I think, really having fun with it. I just need to, like, as to Brandon's note about Drew earlier, I think I need to kind of slow the game down for myself. The way that I get mad at myself when I listen to these is just peppering in likes um, over and over again. And if Brandon had to take those out, he would not be able to do any other facets of it. But that's just how everyone talks now. I know, but I feel it's like I do it more. There's times where I'm doing more of it than I would like. And that is just because I'm all jazzed and like hopped up on conversational 
serotonin. And I think I need to kind of pace myself a bit with that. But well, it's, uh, well the thing okay. is, is um, you have to stay authentically who you are, right? Mm. And I don't want you to, you know, change yourself or feel like you have to like super edit yourself. Like anything in life, whatever you do in the beginning, you know, you're not going to be that good at it. Or you may be, but as you go along, you'll get better and your awareness will grow even bigger. So I think you're fine in that department. Um, and I think, like I said before, anything you do in life, you know, you'll get better at it and yeah. you'll, you know, fine tune it and, you know, make it work better for you. Yeah, you know, that is one to grow on. Yeah. And I feel like Brandon's always sort of gotten this is one of the things that's sort of funny about it, because you were talking about like suppressing a burp or whatever. There's a lot of like bloopers in our episodes, like when we (laughs) fluff a a line reading or if I say something, you know, uh, wrong, like if I pronounce the name of uh, fast casual uh, salad and bread place in a way that people find unconventional, that all gets left in, which I appreciate. And I think that's like. Brandon getting what we're sort of trying to do here, which is like it has to have a quantum of oafishness and goofiness in it because we're not actually experts. We're just sort of messing around with it. Like, I think if it was too clean, um, it wouldn't be the podcast it's supposed to be. Well, I'm going to disagree with you on that, Roth. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, uh, Brandon and Roth, we've had some. We've had some famous people on this podcast. Yes. We had yes, we had a pre SNL James Austin Johnson. The He'll lady. never come on again because because he, he doesn't have to. Right? We had we had Bob Mold, my hero, Bob Mold. He was on. We had uh, we had the locks on. One of right my personal the, favorites. Yeah, right <laughs> as right as the pandemic was starting, and they were like they were bleak. Like one of the guys in the locks, I can't remember which one. First of all, I got. I got their oh, one of their names wrong. Name wrong I got right Sheik's. off the bat. Yep. Yeah. Let me. I got can Sheik's. I? Can I? Can I like rehash that? Uh, yes, please. So, um, the funny thing about that episode is Jadakiss was he was like traveling. I don't know if he was on. He was tour. in a car. He was like he was on in a, a car, bus, car. or something like that. Another yeah. one was walking along the street, like walking their dog. Yeah, yeah, Styles P was in Los Angeles on his phone. But he was he was indoors. And Styles P, I think, was like outdoors on his yard outdoors. or something like that. Absolutely, he yep. was. Yes. It was such a he funny was dynamic. His dog Harley Quinn, who's a very yeah. cute dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was such a funny dynamic, though, because Jadakiss, he looked like he had just woken up. So yeah. Jadakiss was like half heartedly answering the questions. <laughs> well, I think he was playing Madden while he, we were yeah. recording, too. Like he was looking off camera at something yeah. and i i don't think he was looking off camera at like a novel like i think he was he was watching he was yeah, on, I, think he, I mean if you're on a bus the, like there should be a, a second screen because otherwise you're just experiencing that bus fully that was a <laughs> that was a tough episode yeah. although i feel like it came there was they came alive that we they gave them one fun bag question this is the real distinction in terms of like Famous people coming on the show. It's the magic. Will they do the dumb shit in the back half of it? You know, that like, and they, the one question I remember from that episode, the fun bag question was who, who has had more sex, a normal person who's 80 or like a star (laughs) athlete who's 25? I remember. And (laughs) Drew was like, I think it's the older person, you know, and they were all just like, no, it's like, it's a twenty-year-old who's famous, and it was. Did like, I 
Did I say the older person? I think that we yeah, both were kind I, of I like. Think, yeah, I think that's what you said. Well, that was a really Wayne. stupid fucking yeah, but answer. It was, they were basically like, at some point, you can't push back. You're like, well, this is the first time that we've talked to someone who is massively famous at the age of 20. Like, they're not bragging about it. They're yes, they know. Their lived experience is that right. they're having sex six times a day <laughs> for years. Silas P. was the one where, where we asked, like, where do you think this pandemic's going? And he's like, this is for life. Like, this is what how it's just going to be. And he said it with such confidence and authority. I was like, fuck. <laughs> we're fucked. You know what? Also, got to give it up to Styles P. You were right. <laughs> like, yeah. That's miserable, but completely He was right, correct. yeah, because I got vaccinated and I still got the fucking thing. Just so. You know the one that was, I think, is maybe my favorite episode well, with a famous person on it. You know, like the ones with just like funny people that we're friends with and people from the staff are great. The Chris Bosch one, he was extremely normal and insightful and then he stuck around for one little bit of the weird shit in the back and his publicist was instantly like uh chris has to go to bed now (laughs) (laughs) that's right and chris was so open too because he was talking about like okay like like we'll be staying at the free throw line like agreeing like with our opponents like to like take this next play off because it's like the 81st game of the regular season and shit doesn't matter he's being all honest and stuff like that and so, of course, when I dive in with like, hey, would you rather have all thumbs for fingers or all big toes for toes? <laughs> he's like, he's like, Chris Bosch, he is funny and he is so insightful. And yeah. he has a really good speaking voice, too. It's Love super his speaking good. Voice. That was the part of it that was almost like embarrassing with it. Like this guy is better at the sport that I was best at in a way that like is not it's like the way that. The relationship between my body's size and like Jupiter, you yeah. know, like he was—he's a, a god. Also, has this perfect basso voice, right? And like yeah. this very soothing TV diction. I'm kind of surprised that he isn't on TV or isn't doing some sort of like radio or podcast show yeah. himself. Like he—he he, he really has, has a good to, voice and good presence. You know it why? Because be because he doesn't because he just wants to hang out with his kids or something. Right? He yeah, he absolutely he's got, could. I agree. Because he has a brain in his head. I think that's got to be <laughs> it, right? Or he's like, okay, well, I could show up to the TNT set at ten o'clock on a weeknight, or I could just chill out with my hundred million dollars and just like have a glass of prosecco and hang out on my veranda at night. I think yeah. I think he's made the right choice. I that think. was something that it came through in the the little book that he wrote, but also in the conversation was like. I feel like he's probably still recharging from like all the NBA games that he played, like physically. Like he was yeah. very open about that. He was like, "You're incredibly tired. Like all you do is sit in a cold bath all the time." The way he talked about uh, Game Six of the 2013 Finals, yeah, he talked about it as if it was like the most draining thing he had ever been through, and yeah. it probably was, yeah. right? And I and and I'm and as I'm hearing him talk, I'm like, "Wow!" Like. If I even was even a, like good enough to make the NBA, like how would I would have made out in that situation? Yeah, right. It's that being like completely over in the red in every facet, like emotionally, physically, whatever. Like that's not, you know, if I like we didn't have air conditioning for thirty six hours last week, and I fell apart, dude. Like the idea <laughs> of having to like spend that much time in that space of overage was really really interesting it is crazy that so much of what we did was during the pandemic too that like this was all it started during the pandemic the show yeah yeah and so so many of those episodes like we didn't talk to him about that we talked to him about basketball but the bob mould episode which i also you know i'm very proud of didn't ask him fun bad questions uh which i think is probably for the best so much of that was just like as with a lot of the early episodes was just kind of like how are you holding up 
<laughs> like, what is your life like right now? And like, how are you managing to, you know, do anything like normal? I remember, I, I, I also, I think, I think I'm free to say now, uh, after two years of doing this, like I can say I'm doing great and not have it be like, I'm doing relatively okay. Like I feel fucking great. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm a happy man. And I'm happy to be working with you guys, and I feel like uh, I think it's okay to say that. Stop no saying that. You know, make me blush on the damn podcast. No, no, it's all, <laughs> no, I mean, it's it, all good. Also, that, we had we had staff guests as well, including Ray Ratto, who probably should be the host of the show, but is yeah. not. <laughs> One of my personal favorites from uh, the Defector, Defector he's Gang. Been, I should say. Yeah, he's a legend. The episode. So I've done a couple of episodes as host while Drew wasn't around, and one of them was just me and Ray talking, which is one of the great pleasures of my life. He'll, like, call me when he's walking his dog or when he's driving to the radio studio where he has, like, his other job that he does. Uh, The dog calls are my favorite because he'll be, you know, just sort of, like, talking about something to do with work or something that he's been thinking about. And then, you know, he'll say in his, like, Ray Ratto voice, like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And it's because his little dog, who looks like a bath mat, has, like, wandered off to go sit in a puddle or something like that. <laughs> but he, the conversation that we had before that episode, because I was a little, I'm always a little nervous when I have to host. It's different for me. Like, Drew really does, you know, in a quarterbacky way, sort of know where we are in the show. And Brandon, you know, if you think that Brandon has to remind Drew to take breaks, like, when I'm going, it's, like, <laughs> multiple DMs that are, like, stop. <laughs> but in this case, like talking to Ray, I talked to him for like an hour and then we recorded for like an hour and it was sort of the same. We went over a lot of the same stuff, but it was, I don't know, I guess to Brandon's point about like doing anything long enough that you get better at it. Like Ray's been on the radio for decades, you know, sort of off and on, but now more on than off. Like I think you can tell San Francisco every day. And yeah, it's just being able to organize your thoughts um, before you start talking, (laughs) which is basically, uh, a skill that I have not yet developed. It is really like for a guy that is so knowledgeable and also so grouchy. Ray is also like right on top of his shit. I find him very soothing to talk to in this sort of setting. Yeah, he's alarmingly knowledgeable, and frankly, it's kind of annoying because yeah. you know, because I'll just be like, I'll be on this page, be like, blah 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 blah. Let me look it up on Google right now, and you know, and so I, I outsource most of my brain to the internet. Uh, instead of actually like having retaining any knowledge of my own, but Ray doesn't do that, and it sets a standard that is way too high. And for that, we're never having him on the podcast. <laughs> but he somehow didn't have him on during Ray's week. I mean, it was great to have Kazim on, but that was like that was a rare miss. Uh, actually, I'm going to interrupt you, Roth. We have to take a break. We're going to have to oh, take a break. We'll come. We'll come, come right back for our anniversary with Brandon Nix. We're back for our 100th episode with our producer, Brandon Nix, and with David Roth. By the way, uh, before we get into the stupid stuff, Roth, I do have to uh, remember one more podcast. My favorite one, actually, was just you and I, and it was upon the release of The Night the Lights Went Out, and it wasn't because of the book. Um, You know, it's a good book and all that stuff, and you know, I like pimping it out, but we had a very nice, uh, you know, sort of candid conversation as friends for that episode, and I really enjoyed that, and I feel like... I've always felt this way as a writer, that the more you give of yourself um, to the, the listener or to the reader, the more they want to give back. Um, and that's what you know, sort of deepens the connection between you and your audience. So 
you know, it was very nice to have that moment, and I hope we have more of those. Yeah, I agree with that. That's an Good. episode that I'm proud of. We were, we were modeling a non-toxic masculine relationship. We, we were indeed. Which and is incredible, now, because it's incredibly toxic in every other facet. As soon as this thing goes off, we are undermining each other. Ugh. Yeah. Hold on. Absolutely. Before you guys move on, mm-hmm. we need to talk about the live taping that we did in December. Hey, the live taping. Yes. That's oh, right. Yeah. We have to talk about that. One of my favorite moments of that show was when Roth was asked about who was his top five least favorite Mets. Yep. That was, uh, yeah. I got some really good Mets-related questions there. I um, one, of, one of them, which was from a friend of the program, Isle McElroy, was, which Met reminds me the most of my dad. That's <laughs> oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. So my least favorite Mets, I was sort of going off top. And I remember as soon as it was over, like we were walking over to get drinks afterwards, and Brandon, not angrily but like somewhat heatedly you're like no luis castillo huh you didn't mention uh, not luis castillo for you <laughs> which <laughs> yes I it's did. an <laughs> oversight on my part i blew it luis castillo was a miserable met and it's easily one of my least favorites that's something that i guess people maybe also don't know about is that brandon can um pretty much vibe with me on on met's brain damage issues yeah. mm-hmm. Which is probably harder to keep that, you know, to yourself or whatever if I'm really going on about it. I don't remember who I... So I said Kyle Farnsworth, I think, was one of them. Probably really? Braden what was, Looper. What was so bad about Kyle Farnsworth? Was he too tall or something? Uh, he was, he was kind of a mean-seeming guy and, he, and not in a way that was effective. The Mets had a lot of, like, tall, shitty relievers with bad attitudes. John Rauch was another one. Yeah, you gotta uh, be you gotta be a good pitcher to be a crank. You gotta be like you gotta be prime mad bum, and then that's yeah, okay. right. And like, and if you are, that's awesome. I mean, Max Scherzer is a crazy person when he's pitching, and I love him. Like, I, he that guy is angrier when he's on the mound, just at like a guy fouling a ball off. He's angrier about that than I've ever been about anything in my life. Somehow, like, his is endearing that. though. I don't know yes, why. Yes, it is. Absolutely I'm like, oh, Max Scherzer, he's so angry, and yet I feel like I could hang with him. Yeah, it ain't the same as like. Uh, you know, like John Lester or somebody like that, who was like, if I walked into a bar and John Lester was there, I would go the other side of the fucking yeah, bar. Yeah, just like a real, like, bumpkin red ass. Like, yeah, just, just a dickhead. Like, he's a berserker. Like, he's just able to, like, get crazy, but... So, Brandon, do you want to do some of your least favorite Mets? Can we get you on the record with this? Obviously, Luis Castillo is a matter of public record. Um, it's probably only a few. It's Luis Castillo, Castillo um, Bobby Bonilla, uh. Uh, a classic answer. Ike Davis yes. probably is another one. Oh, <laughs> I liked Ike Davis when he was good. But <laughs> Let Indiana to the national title game, though, after succeeding Bob Knight, though. So you have to respect that. <laughs> There's a different... <laughs> oh, it's a different Mike Davis. Oh, I didn't no, it's know Ike. That. Ike Davis. Oh, well... He was the son of the guy that was probably closing games for the Twins when you were little, Ron Davis. Mike uh, and Ike, great candy. Yep. Like, good and plenty, but good. So Ike Davis got blamed by... Well, no, he didn't get blamed. Justin Turner got blamed. The reason the Mets cut him loose was that they thought that Justin Turner was a bad influence on Ike Davis. And they were like, (laughs) we need to protect the guy that's going to have the better big league career of those two. Ike Davis took his last major league at bat like three years later, and Justin Turner was an all-star, I believe, last year, still playing. (laughs) But not for the Mets. Not for the Mets. Classic Mets shit. (laughs) Uh, In general, you guys... um, do you have more bitter feelings about the worst Mets players or the worst Mets managers? Oh, gosh. Ooh, I did, for me, it would be players. Interesting. For as long as I've lived, there isn't really – I don't really have a manager I hated. 
Not even Bobby V? Bobby V's cool with me. He, Actually, I, he, he turned to the World it, Series. It didn't yeah. end well. It didn't end well, but Bobby V's cool with me. With I, I, I like Bobby V overall. Yeah, Bobby V was like kind of like... They don't really make managers like that anymore where he's kind of like a scuzzy local politician, but he's like, he represents your district, you know, and he like <laughs> gets you out of a parking <laughs> ticket every now and then. Did, like, there's something... The way that he was like oily and inauthentic, I found delightful. Maybe because the teams won. I really couldn't stand Mickey Calloway. Uh, and obviously that impression wound up working out because it turns out he's a creep. But the for me, it was always ownership and the way that the team was constructed. That yes. it was like I got very Same. frustrated by a lot of the players, but it wasn't necessarily their fault. The the fault lay with the people that were like, "What? We got Frank Francisco. He's a real closer. He was a closer for another team." So like, why can you be mad when he then goes out and you know puts up a seven and a half ERA and is like just covered in sweat every moment that he's in there? Like you know, it was annoying to watch Frank Francisco pitch, but it was more annoying that the owners at that point didn't have any money because uh, they had lost it all in a pyramid scheme. That's true. That could be a touch annoying. It is now time to remember some guys, and instead, what always happens is that I, I like I write down the guy we're going to remember for that episode. But in some ways, that goes against the spirit of guy remembering. And so, Brandon and David, we're going to do some freelance associative guy remembering Ooh, okay. for this anniversary podcast. So you're going to have to think of guys off the top of your head. And to start you off, I, I, I was like, you know who are some guys? All the people who backed up Tom Brady. I was thinking about this because the coach of my team, the Minnesota Vikings, is a guy who backed up Tom Brady, Kevin O'Connell. And the list of guys who backed up Tom Brady is just illustrative. It's just a fantastic, fantastic collection of guys like Damon Heward and Rohan Davey. Remember those guys, yeah, guys? gosh, that's a real testament to how long Brady has been playing, too. Like, Rohan Davey, like, I feel like he was playing in college when I was in college. He probably was, because Brady's been in the NFL for, like, 20 years. Yes. But, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, like... The guys that were always the most fun to me were the ones where, because those Patriots teams were so good, that, like, the one year that Matt Castle had to play for them, like, he made, like, $30 million from other teams off of just that one season where he won, like, nine games. He won 11 games and he didn't 11? make the playoffs, okay. which I found just astounding. Yeah, they were 11-5. That, was... that was 2008, if I'm correct. Yes. Yeah. Do you have a favorite backup, Brandon? Is there a... Ooh... Favorite backup Doesn't have to be a Patriot, because I feel like I've got... I had some, and then the more you learn about them... Does like, Charlie Batch count? Yes, Oh he yeah, counts. Okay. yeah, yeah. He counts. Charlie Batch, yeah, because he played for the Lions and the Steelers, if I'm correct. Yeah, started yeah, for the okay. Lions, backed up on the Steelers. I have a Charlie Batch Lions jersey in wow, the room yeah. where I'm recording right now. Not to brag, uh, that was an eBay purchase um, from back when I used to just... As a younger man, uh, sometimes just browse eBay for jerseys that were like under eight dollars periodically. <laughs> just get them. What was the jersey? I done it. What was the jersey I gave you this fall, Roth? Was it the Mark Sanchez? Oh, Mark Sanchez. Was, have you worn that jersey out in the wild or not in the wild? I seldom do, but I'm going to wear it uh, at the um, when my friends get together for fantasy draft every year. Like usually, I mean, this year we might actually be able to get together in the same physical space. It's in Vegas. No, yeah, that's right, me, Hench, <laughs> Joe House. Yeah, no, the, um, we like, wore, like, in the room that I'm in right now on the futon uh, 
but the I will. That's the one time of year that I will really wear any of my jerseys. Um, have our our listener TD uh, sent me a Neil Rackers Cardinals jersey? You got me a Mark Sanchez jersey. I do have some new ones. I just haven't, uh, um, you know, done a lot of late night browsing, like looking for, you know, my my white whale, of course, the powder blue David Boston Chargers jersey. It's hard Ooh, to find. That yeah. would be that would be a good one. I'm sure it's on. Is it not on Poshmark? Like, is your is your oh, wife? Wait, a I'm Poshmark? not paying like actual full price for this shit. Like, I want to get it. I want it to like smell like cigarettes and be mailed to me from someone's home. I, I was at the thrift store buying you the uh, the Sanchez jersey, and there was a Julius Jones jersey. And brother, did I ever want to buy wow, you that? Really, one. Cowboys? But it was it was like triple XL, yeah. and you are not a triple XL person, despite no. the fact that you're a blogger. So it's like, <laughs> I you know, so I. I I couldn't do it, but I was like, Julius Jones, god damn. I had not thought of Julius Jones in forever. So it was just a pleasure to see that name on the back of it. Yeah. Isn't it funny when you go to those places and you look for jerseys? It's always usually in those sizes. It's like double XL, triple XL, four XL. And you're like, who the hell's going to wear this? Like, I don't, it's that. So I always wonder if it's the sort of thing, because like there was a period of time, like, like you would have been a child, but I was like out of college where like people dressed like they were in Dipset, even though they weren't oh, in Dipset. So just I, yeah. even like, even even I clothes. did. Yeah, right. Which is like it, everybody did it, and I think those would have be like those were triple XL jerseys. Like, but the idea that they're still in circulation when like everybody's sort of you know cleaned up their act a little bit, but they're still like that's the normal thing. If you're going to get a jersey, it needs to be built so that like it would fit loosely on Shaquille O'Neal's body. <laughs> It's one uh, ridiculous. One game. more uh, for you. One more Patriots backup guy, because I, I just have the page open. It was Ryan Mallett. That was a uh, wow. that's a good oh, guy. Yeah. Haven't heard that him. name in a while. Like disgraced Arkansas guys, like him and Matt Jones. I I find them a good a good sort of vertical in the guy remembering. Yeah, uh, it's a rich vein. It <laughs> he, is. So I'm trying to think of who because there were the Brady backups that played and got paid off of it. Kevin O'Connell, I don't really remember. No, he he flamed out. He never really had much of an NFL career. It was Castle and it was Jimmy G and maybe Jacoby Brissett if you're being nice. Yeah, I mean, Brissett's probably, he'll have started, you know, 20-odd, 30-odd games by the time it's all said and done. He's the guy where, like, if he's your backup, you don't complain about it. Like, he's a perfectly useful backup. Yep. But, you but he's not starting. quite at that level with, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick, where teams would bring him in as the backup. And it's like, if you hire Ryan Fitzpatrick as your backup, it's because you know he's probably better than your starter, and eventually he's going to replace that person. Right. Which is a weird way to be. Like, Fitzpatrick was the, the living definition of, like, like, above replacement level, like, basically league average, you know? And that uh, very few... I guess you could say that Jimmy G is sort of that now. He's like a much more handsome version of that. He is, and by the time this podcast is recorded, he still probably won't have been traded. It's the weirdest. It is one of the oddest situations, and I write for a San Francisco website, and I'm trying to figure out a way to write about this, but there isn't a way to write about it. It's just, I don't I don't even know. This is a guy who played in a Super Bowl, nearly won it, and then played in the NFC title game again two years later and nearly won that game, and yet he's just like, Nobody fucking wants the guy. Yeah. Not even his own team. It's also not the sort of thing, you know, you could say Mark Sanchez played in an AFC championship game too, but he very quickly revealed himself to be Mark Sanchez and yes. spent the rest of his life as a, you know, Bitcoin speculator and backup. Right, right, Whereas, right. Whereas, like, Jimmy G, it's like, he's not, he's the 25th best quarterback in the NFL. Like, that's... I think I think that's too mean. I think he's better than that. Okay, like, so, but then, so if he's the 18th or the 20th or whatever... 
there's more teams than that in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like that means that like he would start, should start for a bunch of teams. Yeah, it's odd to me that like like I think he's probably a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Certainly right now he is. Yeah. And but Baker got out of Cleveland and, and Jimmy G hasn't gotten out. I know there's I know there's an injury issue with Jimmy G, but like Baker wasn't exactly a paragon of good health all last season. So Brandon, I, I don't think I know the answer to this. Are you a Jets or a Giants person? Giants. All right, good. That's just weird. It's a rare thing. Like, because usually I was Nets, Mets, Giants as a kid, but Mets usually go with Jets. I feel like mm-hmm. that's like how that fandom group. It's it's a very yeah. rare and valuable thing that we were both somehow able to dodge that bullet. Yeah, because the Jets used to play in Shea Stadium back in the day. So yeah, yeah, that with part. the Mets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, nah, for me, I guess you would say that it's a family thing because mm-hmm. like a good portion of my family rooted for those two teams. So that kind of sort of fell on me in a sense. Same for me. And honestly, it seemed like a pretty good deal for a while before we entered the sort of the long Gettleman, you know, backslide. <laughs> and the at this point, Daniel Jones is just funny to me. Like, I don't mind that he's the quarterback for the... I mean, I don't want or, you know, to watch him play. But like, if that's how it's going to be, at least I know what I'll be getting. When they were bringing back the um, the '86 jerseys, the old-fashioned ones, they had a bunch of players modeling them recently because the Giants yeah, were going to wear doing, the. They're doing two games of them, which is not nearly enough. This not is, nearly they should enough. just do all of them with the that. And some game. of it, it's like the good players look cool in it, but then they had Daniel Jones wearing the helmet and the jersey, and he's got his arms folded, and it looks it looked like a stock photo <laughs> of like a realtor <laughs> that had been altered in some way. It was incredible. <laughs> oh, poor Daniel Jones. Well, look, you won't have to worry about watching him a year from now because they they declined his fifth year option. Yep. So he ain't gonna be back. Do they have a plan for after that? No, that's but not that's important. Our... You know what? That's that's another day. Uh, Brandon Nix, you as a producer finally get to answer some fun back questions. Are you ready? Of course, I've been waiting. Huh? Yeah, I was All gonna right. say you've got you got you've done the ten thousand hours. Like this is. <laughs> gonna... <laughs> This is from Nelson. Ha! He writes in, in a championship series, what happens to the loser's champagne? Mostly miserly by nature, I have some trouble imagining team owners not caring what happens to it. But do they resell it somehow? Do they give it away? What do you think happens to all the champagne that's on ice that a loser is going to drink before they blow it all, Nick's? Don't they just, like, give it away for, like, just give... Wait, you mean, like, if they lost, like, the last game of the series or lost... Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's game, game seven and they got on ice, like... Mm. Like, do they have it ready and they just, like, do they put it on a pallet and then they move it to whichever winner, whoever is the winner's locker room? Or, like, do they give it Do they give it to charity? Do they give it to, like, starving orphans? Like, here, have some Dom Perignon. Like, no, I don't know. I would, I would like to think they would give it to whoever the winner is because it's champagne. That's that's not something that's going to travel well. You're going to send it off to, like, another country? <laughs> put it in, like, some military like cargo plane and then just airdrop it into... Yeah, I... So this question was good for me because it uh, is a thing that I clearly have not thought about since I was a kid. So I had like a little kid vision of it, which is that the champagne exists of itself. It is neutral. And then it goes to whichever team wins. But like that, that's not how somebody had to buy it. And if you're in a position where it, you're going to win, like if it's a game seven, then both teams definitely will have bought it. It, it's not the sort of thing where, like, the league throws you a pizza party when you win the NBA championship. <laughs> like, this is an, it's an organizational expense. And I, and honestly, I have no idea about this because it never occurred to me. Like, I know what happens to the, you know, uh, 
Boston Celtics 2022 NBA champions t-shirts. Like yeah, those yeah, are we like have, shipped off. We've done all but, those jokes, yeah. But like, yeah, the champagne one is a it's a very good question. I would hope, yeah, I mean the idea of donating champagne to a good cause is kind of like give it funny. to UNICEF. Like, right, like, I was gonna say, like, Oh, you'll cool. enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. For those who are the most in need, I think you'll really enjoy you know, they actually can't call it champagne unless it's made in that region. Also, you know what? I drank for decades, and I don't know the answer to this question, Roth. Does champagne skunk if you cool it and then you and then you take it off of ice and you put it back in your liquor cabinet? Is that all right? Does I, it go bad? That's a good question. I don't I don't think, think so. so. I think it might just be fl- like super flat. You know what else? You know what else I wanted to know was does you have you ever heard of the spoon trick for champagne? Where if you're not done with a bottle, you put a spoon upside down into the into the opening and you put it in the fridge and that's supposed to keep it bubbly. I used to do that. I have no fucking idea if that worked. No. Yeah, I that is a new one on me. Yeah, uh, I've never heard that one. Although well, we do have a couple Maybe I invented it. So this is one of the more uh I'll just go ahead and run this up there. Whatever. You know, this is a this is a fans only podcast. Uh so one of the more obnoxious trends that Kate and I have adopted is drinking those like natural wines, like pet nat stuff, which is, is often bubbly. And I don't know how to make that be good a day or two later. We have like a vacuum sealer that we use for wine because we don't drink an entire bottle of wine in a sitting, uh, you know, unless we've had a difficult day. And that is like, I, I don't know, like the spoon trick I have not tried. I just assumed that it was like, you just got to eat shit on it. That's how it is. It's going to get worse and worse until you eventually dump it out. Right, right. But was the spoon trick, is that like a restaurant thing? Is that like a food service deal? I legitimately like- don't remember how. And maybe it came to me in a dream. I'm sure if <laughs> if I were being, if this were a normal episode of the podcast, I would just we Google would look it, it right now and look it up. But I'm not going to do that. Andy writes in, uh, Brandon, do you agree with me that the hardest part of being a spy would be how other spies always give you instructions really fast and then hang up or disappear before you can find a pen or get your notes app open? <laughs> Whenever I kind of watch any, whenever I watch any kind of action film, it always occurs to me that I've forgotten whatever the character just said almost as soon as they say it, and I wouldn't have any idea what I was supposed to do once they left. If you were an actual spy, would your mind somehow be sharper, Brandon? Um, if I was an actual spy, I would have something where I would record the person who I'm talking to secretly. Yes. Well, what, you can't do that. You would leave a trail, and what if the Russians get hold of that tape? Then you're screwed. You can't, there's no like discreet way. I can't have like a little pen or something, a little small device to Ooh. myself. Ooh, like, a, you, like you bug yourself. Yeah, something like that. I wouldn't think that would be the hardest thing a spy would have to go through. I would like to think that the hardest thing a spy would have to go through is actually not getting caught. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, being or, yeah. or being shot at. That yeah. might be bad. But I think it probably adds to that challenge. Is that like, especially if you're like, if it were me, the like the permanent state of brain fog that I have, you know, just from having been alive for too long, it's like it would be that would be the part that was harder. Like, because you can't afford to hesitate if you're Jason Bourne, and it's not like just that I wouldn't want to jump from one building to another in a parkour styly. It would be the sort of thing where I'd be like, wait, is this the building that I'm supposed to jump onto the roof of? Because he said. Like, all right, he said a number, but I can't see the front of it. I'm going to look on my phone and see where I am. I'm going to drop a pin, whatever, any of that shit. That is when uh, you are assassinated hideously. I, uh, I've i always seen those that happen in movies, and I feel like it's a cheat because it'll happen. It happens like in every Michael Mann movie, too, where James Conn gets to a payphone and he's like, 2 p.m. at the plaza, be there, come alone. And then he hangs up the phone, and then they just know that, like, 
the other guy just memorizes that. That's like a cheat because if you spend 30 seconds, you know, having the bad guy write it down like, okay, I got it. You know, like that's that's wasted time. They can't waste any time in a movie. If it's yeah. like, if it's, you know, if it's, you know, if it's a Marvel movie that's three hours long or some other padded tentpole, maybe you could do it, but usually they don't even do it then. I think if more people interacted in real life the way they do in Michael Mann movies, uh, the entire world would be more hilarious, but also people would constantly be missing appointments like that because you'd be like checking in with someone hanging up before they respond. And then they just be like, why was that guy so rude? Like, why, why am I talking to this person? And they won't make eye contact with serious guys in movies. Whenever they answer the phone, they always answer the same way. They pick it up and they go, yeah, that's what they always do. (laughs) And I've always wanted to do that. I have never done that. Even when I know, like I have caller ID, I know who's calling me. But I don't, like, if I know it's my wife, I don't pick it up and I'm like, yeah, what you want? Like, it's not ever going to happen. Like, talk to me. Like, it's not going to happen. Uh, Every now is- and then, if Kate calls me, I will hit her with, like, just the dumbest possible thing that I can say to her to try. Because, like, she'll be in public and she'll be like, do you need me to get milk? But if she calls me and I'm like, go for Davy, that, like, <laughs> I can maybe, like, break her for a moment in the store. This uh, this last one is from Mike. I'm going to direct it to you, Roth. He says, am I being a whiny dipshit or should we ban baseball players from using tobacco products during ball games? I'm a vehement no on this one, Roth, but I want to hear your opinion. I feel like it's the sort of thing where, like, there's obviously, I guess there's an argument for it, but I also feel like if you're not going to ban tobacco products full stop, then, you know, letting a guy stuff a chaw into his mouth or whatever and like sort of like i feel like when i was a kid uh and there was a lot more of that going on that like as much as i wanted to be like every baseball player that i saw that part of it never looked cool to me like that like element of being lenny dykstra like i wanted all the other stuff i didn't know about the you know how much drug use was involved in actually being lenny dykstra but the idea of being like slightly smaller but still being able to hit homers and you're always going full stop and your uniform's always dirty. That part's cool. Like just constantly having some like brown juice on your shit and like looking like you've got like a half of a sandwich in your cheek. Like it didn't work for me. Like that wasn't something that I wanted. So I feel like maybe tobacco use, especially, you know, that like smokeless tobacco is so gnarly that it actually has a salutary public health effect. Brandon, do you agree? Yeah. Uh, the funny thing for me is when I think about tobacco use and baseball players, in a weird way, it kind of goes hand in hand. Because traditionally, yeah. when I think about, you know, old school baseball players, that's like one of the first things I think about. It's like you're not a ball player unless you chew tobacco. Right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And yet, when you actually see them doing it, you're like, oh, God, do I really want to be a ball player? Yeah, it looks like the that, most disgusting thing ever. The one that exception I actually, I'll make. I don't actually don't agree. When I was a kid, I was like, that looks really cool. Except... Then I did try chewing tobacco. Same. And that pretty much ended it for me. That That's the it. other thing. That's same for me, like in summer camp, where I was like, are these guys all this nauseous all the time? <laughs> like it never made me want to try it. But at the same time, I would look at it and go, you know, that does look kind of cool. But that's not something for me. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I will make an exception for here, if you want to ban smokeless tobacco, don't ban it, whatever. When ballplayers smoke cigarettes and it shows up, like when Keith Hernandez would just be like gunning a butt on the dugout or <laughs> that like Jim Leland, cool. that I'm into. Yeah. Like, like, if you're going to use tobacco during a baseball game, like you should be smoking like a guy in like a, like you should have the same vibe as like Al Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon. Like yeah. you're smoking like it's like your life depends on it. <laughs> that I'll take. 
<laughs> oh, that was a great anniversary episode. And now I have to get to the credits. Brandon Nix, who you just heard, and Chantel Holder are our producers. Nora Ritchie is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. Subscribe to Defector.com, too, while you're at it. And also, last call, Why Your Team Sucks begins or began yesterday or two days ago this week. So please, if you... If I haven't closed submissions already, this is you, you, the listener, you get an exclusive chance to still email me a submission, but don't tell anybody else about it, okay? It's WYTS at Defector.com, and put the team's name in the subject line, and then I will maybe consider it if you he are might enough. Dane, but, uh, Brandon, thank you guys. thank you for doing this, Yeah, man. Really appreciate you. Th- thank you for two great years and two years to two great more. Yeah, man. Uh, it's been a pleasure working with you guys, you know, every week. You guys always keep me laughing. You guys always keep me on my toes. I always look forward to every Wednesday when we record the show. Um, side note for people who don't know. But yeah, you, you, you guys always keep me upbeat. So it's been a pleasure working with you guys. And hopefully we can ride out to another 100 episodes. Um, yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, before, mutual, my man. Before I go, I just want to give a couple of shout outs. Uh, shout outs to Chantel Holder, uh, Corinne Wallace. Yeah, uh, Corinne. Nor Richie and our original executive producer, Daisy Rosario. Daisy was great. We yes. Daisy. Thank you. Thank you, Daisy. If it wasn't for you, none of us would probably be here. Yeah, <laughs> the show was true. true. The probably is unnecessary. You are being, that is, we owe her a great deal. Everybody, uh, have a lovely week and we'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Yep. Bye.